0: changing your life one story at a time this is the chicken soup for the soul podcast with editor in chief amy newmark hey it's amy newmark and it's friend friday on the chicken soup for the Soul podcast today we're talking with leanne teamman she is the multi-talented co-author of I think it's 14 Chicken Soup for the Soul books, plus several more books she's written for healthcare providers. She's a nationally known speaker. She inspires nurses and other healthcare providers, and she shows them how to take care of themselves through her self-care for healthcare program. She's also known as one of the nurses who rescued 300 babies during the 1975 orphan airlift from Vietnam. And in fact, one of those babies reached out his little arms to her and selected her to be his mom that day, joining her two daughters in the team and family. One of eight children, Leanne was raised on an Iowa farm, and her bio says, this simple, honorable, faith-filled lifestyle established the principles and priorities that guide her life today. And I have to say, Leanne is one of the hardest working people I know, but also knows how to do that self-care. She -hmm. knows how to make time for herself in her Colorado mountain cabin when she's hiking, horseback riding, being with her husband, her children, her grandchildren. She's a bundle of energy and a very special member of the Chicken Soup for the Soul family. Leanne, welcome back to the Chicken Soup for the Soul podcast.
1: Thank you so much. I love being a part of this family.
0: I know, and we love having you. We just keep finding things to do together. Mm -hmm. So I think we should do this podcast in two parts today. In the first part. Let's talk about nurses and other frontline workers and the pandemic and what you're seeing. And then in the second part, we'll talk about this new line of books out from Sophia Institute called Everyday Catholicism that use the stories from your Chicken Soup for the Soul books. But let's start with the pandemic. I know you've been very active in the community and really trying to support everybody, but you haven't been able to go out there so much in person as you usually would have done. So tell us what you're hearing from frontline workers.
1: Well, fortunately, I still, via the internet and all of our modern technology, I'm able to stay in touch with many of my clients and different chief nursing officers from coast to coast. And what we're hearing is it is very, very hard out there. Of course, we know those hotspot areas of New York, Louisiana, Chicago, and, and others And it's been extremely trying for the nurses. Yet there's a very great sense of pride that the media doesn't always talk about. This is what they signed up to do. And this is their calling. I often say that working in healthcare is a calling. And they're answering that calling. It's been very, very exhausting for them. They've had to work extra shifts, of course. Many of them had to work in different roles. Because of a lot of the new regulations, they had to even realign hospitals and reorganize them make more ICU beds and, and close other departments, of course, and, and so nurses sometimes had to work in areas outside of their own expertise, but again, they stepped up, they learned as we always do as an ongoing learning, and and met the need amazingly. Of course, now my role is to take really good care of them and help them build resiliency for when, if anything like this happens again, and to continue to get through this and and to prepare them for the future and to take really, really good care of themselves now.
0: So, you know, I know you teach them how to take care of themselves, and I bet that there are some lessons in your self-care for healthcare program that could apply to just about anybody who's working hard and using up every minute of every day. So give us three tips for self-care for everyone.
1: Well... Thank you. And actually, I'm opening up self-care now to the entire world and not just health care. I've just made that next plan this week. And and the program is very simple because I absolutely believe I learned this with Operation Baby Lift. In order to cope with the stressors and the war zones of our everyday lives, we have to be strong of mind, body and spirit. So maybe that's the three lessons. And I remind people they have to nurture themselves in these three ways every single day day. We can't just wait for weekends to catch up, to sleep in late, eat a big breakfast and go to church. I want them to pay attention to their bodies and make sure that they get the exercise and even if 15 minutes a day and to make sure that they, that they eat properly because we know how to give the quantity and quality of food we need. And, and we're becoming a sleep-deprived nation. I, I remind them to set an alarm to go to bed, not just to get up in the mornings. And mentally, I remind them that they need to breathe throughout the day and to laugh. It is the best medicine to think positive because you get what you expect and to forgive. And that's the one that people talk to me most about.
0: That's interesting. I have learned working at Chicken Soup for the Soul over all these years how important forgiveness is. And I now say that forgiveness and gratitude are the two absolute essentials you have to have for happiness. And you cannot be happy without them.
1: Absolutely so. And it isn't that interesting that when I give my presentations and even when people download the app and read the book, that is, that's the thing they come and whisper to me, thank you for talking about forgiveness. And the second thing then, thank you for addressing spirituality. And so I remind people to connect with whatever higher power or supreme being or creator, whatever they call it or how they relate to, but I believe in taking time every day, even in 15 minutes to nurture our spiritual selves as well.
0: Well, that's terrific. I know during the stay, stay at home period, I've been exercising more, which has been a wonderful silver lining for being stuck at home. I've really enjoyed exercising every day. I finally started riding my bike again. Have you noticed how many people are riding their bikes again? We're all like kids again.
1: We have a bicycle shortage in our community. <laughs> it's nationwide.
0: It's nationwide. Yeah, it really is. I didn't even try to buy a new bike. I had this guy who came, he makes house calls. He
1: came and he refurbished my 20-year-old bike and got it working again. <laughs> good, good. And I think that there have been, to your point, some really wonderful silver linings to this. But that's where the positive thinking comes in, doesn't it? And the self-care is, is to really look at, see, what what did we gain from this? I think we've learned some things personally that, and I I just wrote an article about it. What do you want to keep? And we can make. And what do you want to let go of? We have a a really important time in our lives, a transitional time for our nation and ourselves personally, to figure out what during this time, still this time that we've had, how we might want to take better care of our our happiness and our health. Yeah, I've been
0: asked to do a lot of radio interviews and talk about what people can do during the stay at home, and especially here in the Northeast, where it's like in the New York area, Boston area. And I've been saying, it's like you get a second chance at New Year's resolutions, right? You're get you staying home. You can be more introspective. It gives you time to work on things. You're surrounded by fewer people. And even if you're now back out in your communities, the middle of the summer, and you're out, you're probably still not interacting with other people as much as you did before. So you're still a little more in your own kind of silo than you would
1: normally be. Exactly. And there's jokes, of course, people saying I, I, somebody told me yesterday, my, my neighbor said, you know, as a freshman in college, I gained the freshman 15. And now I've gained the COVID-19 and a lot <laughs> of talked about gaining weight and all and I, I empathize with that. And to your point, I think it's important we have, we have the time now to take care of ourselves the way we know our bodies need to be and to seek the happiness in our lives as, as your wonderful book pointed out. Amy, and and the ways that we can reflect on that now and make the changes we need.
0: Yeah. So speaking of books, I wanted to thank you again for allowing us. You and I decided together that we were going to make your latest book for nurses, Chicken Soup for the Soul, Inspiration for Nurses, a free ebook for about, I guess it was around five or six weeks that we did it while people were all at home. And we had almost 10,000 free copies downloaded by nurses. And I was so happy that we were able to offer them that support, even if they were too busy to read the book, you know, during that time, we wanted them to download it so they could read it later.
1: Right. And a lot of them told me, I think I sent you a, a, an email. I got a post actually that was shared uh, worldwide that a nurse wrote. And, it, and they said, this is what got me through the COVID-19, these two books. And one was my self-care book, but the other was, Chicken Soup for the Nurse's Soul. And I always tell uh, Chicken Soup for the Soul for inspiration for nurses. And I often tell people that that's why I made the stories only two and three pages, right, Amy? Because we know they don't have time to read more than that. But I know they read it during this time to help them cope.
0: Yeah. So let's take a break. And then when we come back, we're going to talk about not nurses books, but the other kind of book you've written for Chicken Soup for the Soul. And these are books about faith and spirituality and getting in touch with that side of your mental health. So we're going to come back after the break, and we're going to talk about this new line of books, the Everyday Catholicism series from Sophia Institute. We're back with our friend Leanne Tiemann, and now we're going to talk about Three very successful past Chicken Soup for the Soul books that have led to a beautiful new book series from Sophia Institute Press, which is a publisher of books for Catholics. They do a fabulous job, and they have taken stories from three of Leanne Tiemann's past books with us, Chicken Soup for the Soul, Living Catholic Faith, Chicken Soup for the Soul, A Book of Miracles, and Chicken Soup for the Soul, Answered Prayers and they are putting out four books in total. Two of them are out so far. One is called Real Stories of God in Our Lives, and the other is called Seeing God's Action in Our Lives. They're beautiful. I'm so proud of them, so grateful to Sophia for having brought these stories back to life again for today's readers who might not have read them in our books in the past. So Leanne, what did you think when I told you that
1: Sophia Institute had come along and said they wanted to republish these stories. Well, of course I was thrilled because people have written to me and told me so much about what the Chicken Soup for the Soul, A Book of Miracles, and Answered Prayers, and Living Catholic Faith have done for them, and to have it, and and they continue to sell, you know, as you know, regularly in our own Chicken Soup series, and yet to have it targeted especially Uh, The stories from living Catholic faith to have it targeted to that, those millions and millions of Catholics from another publisher, I think is just another way to bring all the chicken soup blessings to the world. Yeah. And I like
0: the fact that Sophia serves a different kind of retailer. Like we're more in Walmart and big box stores, and they're in the smaller bookstores and the religious stores and the church bookstores. I feel bad though, they had to introduce this new fabulous series during the pandemic because they probably didn't get as many readers seeing their books right off the bat. But these are evergreen, and I'm hoping that people will see them. It's this Chicken Soup for the Soul, Everyday Catholicism series. And I know that, well, people always say to me, like, what are your favorite stories? I'm like, the 101 that are in each book, right? (laughs) So I'm not going to say to you, I'm not going to say which are your favorites of these books, because I know that everyone is your favorite, right? Right. But tell us about one of the stories from these books, just so people can get a flavor for what's in them.
1: Well, there are several that represent really what the books are all about. One that comes to mind is a woman who was teaching religious education classes to pre uh, to little kids, like second and third graders. Uh, in in their catechism classes, and they were talking about the power of prayer. So she said, let's pick something to pray for collectively as a group and watch it come to fruition. And she knew it was kind of a dare, but of course, they had great ideas about the moon and the stars and astronauts, but they really came up with, they wanted it to snow before Easter. Well, this is like in February or March. And by the way, it's in the panhandle of Oklahoma. It doesn't snow there. But collectively, these little kids prayed and prayed and prayed, and they talked about it at church. And in the meantime, this woman was also did a youth ministry at a prison. And so she told these young st- these teenagers that that's what this little group was praying for. And the teenagers got very upset and said, you lied to those kids, and you give them false hope, and, and really put her down for that. Well, as the story goes on and to get to the ending is it's the day before Easter, and the clouds come over, and on Easter Sunday, it began to snow, and the first time in decades that it has snowed there, and of course the kids were not the least bit surprised. That's what they prayed for, and she went back to the prison and and told the the teenagers this, as well, and they all said, "You know what? I believe you now," and actually. I believe in a lot more.
0: That's very cool. I love that story. That's really, really a great story. All right, tell us another one.
1: Oh, gosh. Well, from one of the other books, (laughs) I was just reading this one the other day, and it made me smile as well. Uh, Briefly, this young woman was raised in, um, in a town that was very Catholic. As a matter of fact, outside the bank on Main Street, there were different alcoves with religious Statues in them, which was unusual, of course. But, and they had a very really frugal life. And she always wished she could get her mama a really nice bouquet or a corsage for Mother's Day. And finally, she went. She left home. She had a nice job, and she had the money. And so she called her mother and said, "I am sending you the biggest." orchid corsage, watch for it tomorrow. And she called on Mother's Day and told her mother to prepare for it. And sure enough, the mother said, this is the biggest, I mean, it it was huge orchid. It had purple ribbons hanging down from it, netting all over it. It was magnificent and huge. And the mother said, you know, I just, this is more than I need. No, no, mother. It's really important to me that you wear this. I want it to be worn by the greatest mother in the world. And the mom said, oh honey, and then she had to close the door. She said, I have to close the door because Jack, my neighbor, comes down every few days with a garbage sack full of his booze bottles and he clangs it, he clangs it, he clangs it as he pulls him down the steps. I have to close the door, she said, so I can hear you better. And Jack has drunk so much now after he lost his wife, it's really sad. So of course, then she calls back the next day to say, mama, how did you like the corsage and tell me that you did wear it? And the mom said, you know, honey, thank you so much, but it just wasn't right for me. So what I really knew I was supposed to do, I took that beautiful corsage and I took it across the street and I taped it on the statue of the Blessed Virgin Mary, Jesus' mom, because she really was the greatest mother in the world. And while the daughter was a little disappointed, she thought, you know, that's my mama. And if that pleased her, that was my objective. And when she visited her then the next month, she was walking up the steps and she and her mother met Jack coming down the steps and he looked great and was smiling and empty handed. And the mother said, Jack, you're looking so great these days. And he said, well, you know, a miracle happened to me. On mother's day, I looked across the street. Now you're going to think I'm crazy, but I looked across the street and that statue of the blessed Virgin had the biggest corsage on it I've ever seen. And I knew then that was a message from God. I was supposed to quit drinking and I haven't had a drink since. For me, it was, it was a miracle. And the story ends with this woman saying, you know, sometimes we people do what we think is ordinary things, that God can use it in miraculous ways.
0: That's a great story. That's so chicken soup also. I mean, <laughs> it's really what we do. We have stories about ordinary people who have extraordinary things happen to them. And It shows us all that miracles can happen every day if we're just open to seeing them. That's really wonderful. I'm so glad we get to talk about these stories again because of Sophia Institute Press bringing them back to life in this new Everyday Catholicism series. I love
1: it. Oh, as do I. It's most exciting. And of course you can tell I still read them over and over myself because, because they do. They just bless you over and over again. And people tell us that about our books, don't they, Amy? That they read the stories and the nurses have told me, I've read this book over and over again. And, and often they open it up to just the story they needed that day.
0: Yeah, I know. People do that. They'll just randomly open it. And then we have people who say, well, I read one story a day for 101 days, or I read one story every night before I go to bed. And yesterday I did a Zoom speech to a women's group and one of them told me how um, one of our books had changed the life of an elderly lady living in a nursing home. And she had just come to life because they started reading Chicken Soup for the Soul stories to her. And before that, she had been completely withdrawn and you know, impossible to connect with. It's just that hearing stories from regular people I was talking to a guy who knows all about the neuroscience and he said, it makes, he said, when you read a chicken soup for the soul story, it triggers the oxytocin in your brain and it offsets the cortisol that is in you from stress and worry and everything else. And so he said, it's really, really good for your mental health and your ability to navigate the ups and downs of life. You know, it's a great stabilizer
1: absolutely it is yes and the and i'm happy to hear now that i'm hearing even during the pandemic and all people were together more with families and they tell me they were storytelling because it is as we've often said i mean stories have been what connected us from the with the beginning of time that's what history books are that's what the bible is that's what that's how we connect and you're right now we have absolute science to prove that it, it it's healthy and isn't it a blessing to offer them
0: You know what we came out with in April? It was our first humor collection ever. Like, I mean, we've been in business 27 years, but we had never done a pure humor collection. And so we put out Chicken Soup for the Soul, Laughter is the Best Medicine. And I was a little nervous that people were going to think I was being flippant. You know, it's a pandemic, there's no vaccine, there's no cure. And but people took it with the spirit with which it was intended. And it was the number one new self-help book in America for the first six weeks that it was on sale. (laughs) Yeah, and so I was getting like handwritten love letters, basically, from fans saying this book is so helpful. So, uh, yeah, we're still selling. Laughter is the best medicine. We'll probably do another humor collection now that we know how much people love getting funny chicken soup for the soul stories.
1: Exactly, and and of course, you know, laughter has been proven. It really does. It is the best medicine. It it decreases the our blood pressures and and it boosts our immune system. There's science to prove that. So. That's what we should be doing more of in the world and certainly now.
0: And I know that you have definitely put a big dose of humor in your books for nurses, so that's very helpful. Thanks for coming on the podcast today. It was really great to talk to you about you know, this two-pronged life that you have from my point of view, you know the, the nurses and healthcare part of your life, and then the Catholicism and stories of faith part of your life. It was really nice to combine them today.
1: Well, it was my joy always to talk with you. Now to share this with all of your audiences, really a joy and a privilege. So thank you. So where can our
0: listeners learn more about you? What is your social media?
1: Leanne Tiemann. My name, L-E-A-N-N-T-H-I-E-M-A-N. That's where I am on LinkedIn and Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, et cetera.
0: All right. That's great. Well, everybody, thanks so much for listening to the Chicken Soup for the Soul podcast today. If you know a nurse who could benefit from a dose of inspiration, humor, and understanding from a fellow nurse, check out Leanne Tiemann's website and our Chicken Soup for the Soul books for nurses. And if you'd like to learn more about the Everyday Catholicism Chicken Soup for the Soul series, visit Sophia Institute's website at www dot sophiainstitute.com Sophia is spelled with a P-H S-O-P-H-I-A Institute or look up Chicken Soup for the Soul Everyday Catholicism on Amazon come back next time for another look into our new book about the magic of cats with two stories about feline friendship and loyalty both stories have excellent surprise endings